Another season of Forgotten Horror has come to an end, but as Field paraphrases Al Pacino from Send of a Woman, We're just getting warmed up! Spend the next few months with Forgotten Cinema as season seven kicks off with movies from all across the decade. We jump to the 70s to talk about the front page starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. We dive into the 80s with Michael Mann's Thief and the Dennis Quaid Meg Ryan thriller DOA. And then slice into Butler's childhood years, the 90s, with The Last Samurai and The Negotiator. That's right, Field. You're old. So very, very old. Shut up, Butler. Forgotten Cinema, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking, and others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond, and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think this is yet another MCU podcast. How's it going, Mike? Uh, it's going well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're in the end game now. We, well, we are. Yes, we are. Explain why. Well, we're reviewing... Avengers Infinity War today, but that also means we're coming up on the last five movies of the Marvel Infinity Saga, so the first three phases. Because our podcast is focused on how this connects to the greater MCU, and while there are future phases planned and shows in the works, we're actually going to end this podcast as we know it with Spider-Man Far From Home. Correct. Even though Endgame is the official ending. Yes, there's the, an epilogue. The unofficial ending. This is the official Iron Man Four. I mean, Spider-Man Far From Home. Will be what we end with, and uh, but you you won't get rid of us. Maybe not in podcast form, but you'll be see you'll see Pat on videos talking about WandaVision and what are the other shows? Hawkeye, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right, right. Hawkeye. I'm really excited about, but yeah, we're gonna continue this in some form, really hitting on the comics versus the the movie or comics versus the the adaptation. Like Mike said, you're not getting rid of us. Uh, you'll find us in different forms, but you know, continue to listen, continue to share. And uh, we thank you all for listening. And now let's let's get to it. Let's get to Avengers Infinity War, the one we've been waiting for, right? Uh, runtime, 149 minutes, rated PGA 13. Now, you tell me if this is wrong, because I don't believe this number. Production budget, $321 million. That's got, that can't be right. What was the sweet spot number? That we 175. Yeah, this can be right. $321 million? I think so, yeah. So you had a release date of Friday, April 27th, 2018, as that opening summer release date keeps getting pushed back and back and back. It used to be Memorial Day, then it was the first week of May, and now it's for some reason in the end of April. I can't wait for the summer's <laughs> movie season to start March 17th. So opening weekend, it did $257 million domestic, $678 million worldwide. Can you have a guess, Pat? Over a billion. Two billion. Ooh. Two billion dollars worldwide. Wait, what's better than one billion? <laughs> Two billion. <laughs> oh, that's a little social network there for you. Uh, we got the Russo brothers. Uh, this is not this. They're coming back from doing 
Captain America Winter Soldier, and then they go on to do Endgame. You had written by Marcus and McFeely and that same path I just told you about the Russo brothers. That's mm-hmm. the same path for the writers. You also have about 10 out of 15 other writers that are working on this that are all huddled together in a room with, you know, maps and, and whiteboards and all that stuff trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> Solving the Golden State Killer murder <laughs> while trying to figure out the MCU. Absolutely. You had Alan Silvestri, who was coming back to he I guess he did all the Avenger movies. He did Captain America First Avenger and then all the Avenger no, movies. No, I don't think he did Age of Ultron. Okay, right. I think Tyler Bates did Age of Ultron. All the good Avenger movies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cinematography <laughs> by Trent Opalak, who has done, uh, again, Winter Soldier, and he goes on to do Endgame. And then, obviously, we all know who Kevin Feige is. He's the guy that wears the T-shirt and the suit jacket and the hat like he is a 20-year-old filmmaker. Yeah, sorry, I said it. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> says Mike while wearing a hat. Well, I'm not wearing a, a suit jacket with a... T- t-shirt like i'm like hip but you know it's cool yeah it's stupid it's a stupid look for those listening at home and those that don't know us personally we have been involved in the, the local indie film scene and we've been in a number of these film screenings where would you say 90 percent yes of the guys getting up there at the end of the film t-shirt would be in this t-shirt jeans, the jeans and the blazer and a hat and a in a hat or not a or hat, not a hat yeah so well that's the that's the action figure that you make that's yes. the that's the look and the hat's like not attached to the guy it's off in the little little plastic its own little plastic area of the yep. bubble where you could put it on and you could get off that's the look okay so the cast <laughs> the cast uh this is my cast note roll everyone name everyone other credits all of them everybody is in this movie even thunderbolt ross even thunderbolt ross well justin hammer's in this movie so now i'm a little upset about uh-huh. that but thunderbolt ross has returned all right, so you know how we like God, to do... We're a little punchy this morning. <laughs> That's That makes for good episodes. So you know how we like to do here? Movie first, then I guess the movie between the comic, and then movie in, within the MCU. But this is kind of like this movie is the entire MCU. <laughs> it. So it's I guess we could talk about how it relates to end, the future movies going on, or I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. There's a couple players that you know you said it has everybody in it it doesn't have everybody in it so we'll talk about where those guys were right okay well we do you want to start off there or you want to start we'll leave no, that let's for do the a review let's okay. do our normal, normal you, thing did you like it <laughs> <laughs> did you like it well you've seen it more than once right yes because i have not i think the last time i saw this movie was in the theaters okay i mean i didn't even because it's never really on hbo no. or showtime it's just on disney plus now and that's right. where you can find it yeah i think it was on netflix for a while and now yes. it's on Disney. Yeah, Plus. but that, it's not that's not like something you would stumble upon right. flipping around. Right. I will say this that I actually enjoyed it. I I liked it. Yeah. My only problem is that I I I feel a little annoyed with myself that I'm for some reason watching a CGI character of Thanos perform these like dramatic scenes and it's just like well, I can't get lost into that because okay. I'm. I, it feels phony because it's because it's not real. No one, no one's there. Right. I don't I mean, know how you had, feel about that. They had uh, Josh Brolin there on set with the dots on his face, with the dots on the face, and a giant apparatus, and he had to wear styrofoam so that nobody can get close to him, so they can adjust it so people like would go near him, it wouldn't get too close because they got to put Thanos in, and he had to put something above his head so they so look they, up. That come on, that's, they knew where the eyeline. How was. ridiculous is that? <laughs> Welcome to the modern age of filmmaking. <laughs> but you like it. I do enjoy it. The opening, because the opening starts off when they're uh, the Thor ship uh, mm-hmm. from the end of uh, Ragnarok, yep. which were about two movies b- between. Ragnarok was before Black Panther. Yeah, Ragnarok. Okay, was so before, you're yep. about one movie and uh, a space of time. Yep. And I felt a very alien three vibe in terms of how the end of aliens, you're like, yeah, they did it. And then they die. <laughs> And then I don't know why I'm laughing. And then, and then in this one, 
like every uh, same thing, you know, like yeah. it really didn't matter. You really didn't get the earth. You were about to get destroyed. And I know you see that in the cutscene and everything in the end of Ragnarok, but it kind of felt a very aliens to alien three vibe there. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. And I know that like one of the ships survives because that's Thanos's MO is mm-hmm. that 50% survive and then they eventually make their way to earth. But yeah, you, you come in, it starts hot and it, right. it, a lot of this movie, what I noticed is the pacing is very good. Especially when you compare it to Endgame, like I, I felt this one is a better paced film, mm-hmm. but it moves it along through the different set pieces. So you start with the attack on the Asgard ship, then you go right into the New York invasion, and it you know brings in Doctor Strange and and, and Spider Man and Iron Man, and then you get the Vision scene, the Vision and Wanda scene, yeah, you know in Ireland or Scotland or wherever they they're are. They're in Scotland. Okay. they're in Edinburgh. That's right, because it has a very gothic look, and they wanted something dark. That's what I read in the notes. <laughs> sure <laughs> and then you go to the the wakanda battle and then then finally the battle on titan so so a lot of it it moves quickly because you're moving in between these these big pieces but i don't think it's you know because we talk about this in, in guardians of the galaxy and i want your take on it is guardians 2 was a lot of flash and not substance this is a lot of flash but i feel like there is substance there's a lot of good character moments in the fights themselves yes well, I'll just go with the Guardians. So the yeah. first time you see the Guardians, it's almost like the cool kids have showed up. Like, mm-hmm. and that's great and in they, this movie. In this movie, yeah. like, they're, they're, everyone's like being serious and all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, the Rubber Band Man song comes mm-hmm. on, and all, and then here they are, and they're just chilling. It's like, all right, the cool guys are here yeah. now. All right, cool, and that's fine. But then, of course, once Thor gets inside there, then you know, he's the cool, the cool guys. And it's I start getting annoyed because they have the shtick where he starts pretending to do his voice, which is fine in the beginning, and then it keeps going. Yeah. It's it's a little too much. I, I feel like. And I and I don't want to I don't want this to come off as an insult of somebody's of Chris Pratt's uh, process, but I really think he just needs to pull it back. Somebody needs to pull him back just a little bit, it's just just a tad, just a <laughs> just, just a, a little bit, because that's the one thing that I liked. I, I, I do not like Jurassic World as a whole, but no. I but the because it's Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, it's bad Jurassic. Side Park. note: my son, my son who's eight years old, was said to me. He's like, oh. This is Jurassic Park. What are those? Those the, the good guy, the blue in Jurassic Park. I go. I go. Number one, that's Jurassic World, <laughs> and, and and number two, if we will watch Jurassic Park at some point, and you will, and because Jurassic World is basically Jurassic Park. But anyways, well, I digress. Since we're on a Jurassic Park <laughs> tangent right now, somebody said to me, "I don't watch dinosaur movies for the smart," and it's that's wrong because if right. you go watch Jurassic Park, it's the perfect movie. If anybody's yeah. into filmmaking. It's cause and effect the whole time. Yeah. Because X, Y happens. And because of Y, Z happens and so on and so forth. That they they appropriately set things up and the characters are built. I don't think there's a... I mean, there's you could tell me there's, there's better movies out there. Oh, yeah. But in terms of genre films, Jurassic Park might be the top genre film. Two words. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He knows how to tell... I love how people rip on him. And, I, and I've done this before on the other podcasts. He knows how to tell a story, mm-hmm. and that is what he did there. That's it. Period. Period. Stop. He knows how to tell a story. He knows what to do to get you involved and interested. And he just knows he's a great storyteller. Yes. He's the one of arguably the greatest storytellers we have right now and maybe ever. Okay. Where was I? The Guardians. <laughs> yeah. So I just wish that they pulled Pratt because well, my note about Jurassic World was that <clears throat> in Jurassic World, I do actually like Pratt in that because he is not Quill. He doesn't have, he's, reserved a little yes. he's pulled back a little which i appreciate so i i know he can do that i just wish they kind of just pull him back just a little because it makes the moments when 
he gets upset about finding out about spoiler alert Gamora dying. He doesn't care about Thanos and they, that whole thing at the end, and he he blows up that mission. That makes that would be more effective for me if he's just not as goofy throughout. But that's it. That's just me though. I could be wrong, and that's fine. But that's me. No, I, I agree with that. You're right. His toe is like just over the line. Mm-hmm. If they just just bring him back behind the line, he'd be good. Right. I think we should now refer to Steve Rogers as Sexy Beard Rogers, obviously. Obviously. I mean, because I know you probably, when you were watching that, like stood up a little and was like, oh, God. Absolutely. You son of a bitch. <laughs> During the beginning of pandemic, I was growing a beard out and I, I may have you know, <laughs> mentioned it, but when I get out of this pandemic, I'm going to be looking like Steve Rogers. <laughs> there were a lot of eye rolls in my apartment. <laughs> uh, as there should be not not for me <laughs> i know that <laughs> um and, and i don't really have a beard anymore uh, I, I, pat i don't even think you could ever get your hair that long i don't think i think it's impossible i don't think, I think that's I think well that's a wig i think your head does that was a wig he was wearing that's a wig oh i didn't know that, I think that i'm 99 well, sure that was i'm a, a little upset about that i mean come on man grow your hair out yeah what the heck wait you can't you're too cool you're too cool it makes sense though because it was almost like perfect yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is a great moment so like in terms of the humor in this this movie there's a lot of really good you know aside from star lord being buffoonish there's some really good moments that everybody gets a serious beat but then they get like some funny moments so like okay. when, when steve is fighting in wakanda and thor shows up and he's like you know i mean thor's like i see you've copied my beard and and you know, yeah which was steve an ad Rogers which is, is an ad lib yeah and then yep. steve is like oh a new haircut but then, of course, you have the moment afterwards where he's like, Steve, this is my friend Tree. Yeah, he says, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. Like, and so there's there's a lot of good moments with that, you know, with the, the Spider-Man scene with um, him saying, oh, so we're using our made up names with, now. with Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes the MCU gets slack for making things too joke like. Yeah. OK. But this has, I, I, you know, there's some good real character moments in it. But then there's some really good humorous moments that kind of kill some of that tension well there's 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 times to ad lib and there's times where you can't let the ad lib be the the main uh, dialogue you know, you're, you're relying on that to drive right. home some dialogue or some some points so that's and the other thing with because i'm thinking about robert Downey jr and tony stark's character is is i feel like they still they, tony stark is always mad he's always upset about something he's always at somebody mm-hmm. about something and i feel like it's like you have to expect it now he has to like get upset and and the whole point when he tells I think he tells Strange or something. He says, Thanos has been with me for six years. I'm like, really? Since ever since the attack on New York, he's been, you know, ever since we st- I stopped him, he's been, he's been in my head. Since when? <laughs> well, that's why he made Ultron or, or planned to make Ultron and the Iron Legion and everything. So he was preparing for because they mentioned the term endgame in Age of Ultron. Yeah. They, yep. You know, he's he's preparing for what comes next. And. But this goes back to how they, you know, they wrap stuff up, but then they don't wrap stuff up. So, you know, when we were talking about Iron Man 3, we said this feels like the ending. Like he's giving it up. You know, he's come to terms with all this stuff. And the next moment we see him in Age of Ultron where he's building all these robots and everything. Yeah. And then we see him now in, in, well, first in Civil War and then in. Well, he tells he blows him up and for Pepper, then he lies about it and he keeps going. Yeah. I know Robert Downey Jr. in a number of times is, you know, in or out of the franchise, depending on where that dump truck of money was. <laughs> and I think they were kind of hampered early on, depend, you know, figuring out what he was going to do right. with the future. And so they wanted to cap the character and then they had to bring him, they had to reel him back in. And, and to your point in, in Age of Ultron that you made, you wish he just went full heel yeah. and became the villain. And, and he's got these moments where there's tons and tons of people who love the character, but 
he's not very likable. No, he's not. I don't. I've grown to not really in, enjoy his presence on screen in terms yeah. of like, ooh, like I watching all these movies and and with you and mm-hmm. kind of going through everything. I, I'm definitely a cap. Guy. I'm definitely yeah. a Captain America guy. I like him on screen. I like his presence. It could be just Chris Evans, but I just he's got maybe it's just how they write him. He's somebody who I want to see more of on screen than I really do Tony Stark or Iron Man. Yeah. I, I just at this point I just don't and. I don't know if that's by design or if that's just how the, the characters are written or how it's ad-libbed. But if Captain America was more of the heart and soul of the entire mm-hmm. series, and he is kind of just because he holds himself that way, yeah. I think it would have been much stronger. But, you know, whatever. That's not my choice. So yeah. it's no big deal. They actually repeat that line you talk about uh, when he says we're in the end game now in Ultron. Strange says it. Do you know what that means? You know what end game? You know what, re- you know what that term is from? No. So for all you Queen's Gambit fans out there, when you're in the end game, it's the end of the chess game. And when you're about to, it's, you know that the path to end, it's yeah. ending. And that's something they say, we're in the end game. Now, like, that's kind of like, this okay. is the end game. So that's where that's from. Do so you know the inevitable, you know, you know, you're in the final stretch kind yeah. of thing. And so all what right. else inside the movie that in within this movie that you actually maybe discovered for the first time again or no? Uh, maybe for the first time again. Okay. Yeah, I remember noticing this, you know, because I, I have seen it more than once. I saw it before end game came out in theaters, you know, just. It was on of course. Know, Netflix. You're just thrown on. One thing that I noticed, and in, in it's what I really like, is the pairings of the characters. So they they match some of the characters with with people we haven't seen before. They match similar personalities together. So when you look at the uh, the characters on Titan, so the Titan characters, the, the Guardians plus Iron Man, Strange, and and Spider Man, a lot of egos in that group. And so, as a writer, how are you managing these these big headed characters? And then alternatively. You know, how do you we talk about Chris Evans and Steve Rogers being the heart and soul. He's with the Wakanda crew and it's a little bit more of a everybody's on the same page. And so talk to me about that dichotomy between the two, the two pairings. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like, how do you write that when you're writing and and you're coming up with characters and and storylines? How do you look at the the personalities of the characters when you put them together? It's probably more about when you're first putting this down on paper where everybody is in terms of within their own stories. So, you know, Thor's in space, you know, the guardians are in space. So that makes sense that they would get together. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's always, it, it always in a, a story contrivance or, a, you know, kind of like a plot point where you split them up, you got to split up the team. And, yeah. and, you know, you know, you have the Gamora and Thanos connection when you're on earth. I mean, you, it makes Stark is in New York, strangers in New York. So, you know, they're going to get you, you know, you want to get them together at some point, mm-hmm. you know, that you left it with Rogers and Stark that they were not together, but says, call me anytime you can. So you have that number. It, then you have, you have to figure out how to squeeze banner in this mm-hmm. because he has not been on earth for years. And, nope. and, and I, they do an okay job of like, Oh, Hey, I'm back. There was so much of a, they made so much of a connection between Natasha and banner in the other movies, a 30 second head nod or a look is not good enough. Right. You need to have, I, I know it's a long movie. You need to give them a scene. Yeah. Uh, you just do. We've earned that. You know, I, if that was in the movie, I if somebody argued that's, that that should be taken, I'd be like, no, that can't be taken out because that's that has been earned. Yes. So that's the, so you have stuff where you can't put all that in there. And when you're talking a two and a half hour movie, you could add a four minute scene. They do a little bit more with the Winter Soldier than I thought they would with the White Wolf or whatever. Yep. Yeah, I, 
man, I don't need that. I already know he's there. They like they, they've repeated the scene where they go give him the arm when they already were in the end of Black Panther. They're already like he's ready for his training. Like why why do I need to see the arm scene? Yeah, you know what I mean. What just happened with the arm? So you know, it's a weird line. Just to kind of, it, it's more of one of those comic book lines where it's like, you know, where's the fight? It's yeah. coming to us. Right. And so like it was it was more just to have that line in there right. than to make a meaningful why scene. Why not just put yeah, why not just put that with have them in uh, downtown Wakanda looking out yeah. no, and noticing that maybe the ships are coming and then he to deliver the line then and then right. boom and then he comes down and they greet him. Why can't you yeah. just do that? Yeah. If I was writing this and I was hey, we need to put all these characters I would try to figure out where everyone is first. Mm-hmm. Then I would start putting them together, but then I would start, how would they react to how, what type of characters are, how would they react? You don't want, you, you, you kind of do the Quill Thor's thing. So you don't want them together. Cause that's just gonna, it's going to continue. on. Yeah. So the split them game. up. Yeah. yeah. The idea that it's like, they, they, they do this thing where they, they split up with him with Groot and rocket and Thor. They do this whole thing where he's going to go get his ax in interwoven in there is Groot growing up or Groot taking responsibility. Yes. But I went just because he, he goes and he, he, that one moment when he goes and puts the things together. Yeah. And and you get very little time spent with young Groot. Yeah. Or a teenage Groot. You get a lot of time spent with baby Groot in guardians volume two. You get a scene when he swears at the, you know, swears at them and, and they say, Whoa, watch your language. And so you see him just head down playing a video game. And we're supposed to all know intuitively that he's a teenager. He's right. a moody teenager who just wants to put his face to a screen and not deal with his parents. So intuitively, that's what you're supposed to understand. But we don't get, you know, you, you're supposed to see his story evolution in the span of what, three scenes? Yeah. That, you know, that, that's the stuff that kind of goes by the wayside. The, I mean, and the main players, I mean, I guess Endgame, not to jump forward, is probably... F- more for the originals, the yeah. original, because yes. that they're the ones that survive and they, 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 it gets a little bit more dramatic in the beginning mm-hmm. and that's for them. So, okay. Maybe, but maybe then maybe you don't do them as much in this one. Well, they, uh, Captain America doesn't get a lot of screen time. He doesn't, but he has, at all. but he has more memorable moments. He does. Yeah. You know I mean? I'm sorry. Uh, the Iron Man fighting in the opening fight scene. I'm not really, that's not really memorable for me in mm-hmm. terms of fighting. What is his name? Uh, uh, Ebony Maul. Okay. And then and that, yeah, that's not really memorable at all. Yeah. I mean, it's not, Oh, there's nothing iconic in that moment for Iron Man. There's probably like three or four scenes in this movie where Captain America is involved with it. And it's iconic yes. when you meet him, when him and black Panther are running ahead of the pack and yep. jumping, that's another one. When he says, get this man a shield, he's got the shields. I know mm-hmm. that's a big thing in the comic or that he used those type of yeah. shields before not to jump forward. So he's got moments there. Iron Man doesn't, you know, his moment is in the is an end game, obviously, but not and, in this. And he has the moment where he gets stabbed and you think he's going to die. Sure. But he doesn't. Right. Again. And, and I don't know if it's, that was. you know, and this is another piece on it is there's a couple false deaths in this one. Mm-hmm. There's obviously Gamora dies and, and she's gone. But then we pick up an end game where she's an alternate timeline version of Gamora. Yeah. But in this one, we see Drax and Mantis cut to ribbons and, and put into cubes. And then we see Tony stabbed. And then those are, are easily kind of erased away. And right. Jackson and, uh, and Mantis form back up. Right. And then, then Tony just sprays on some... Yeah, whatever. Some, back whatever. Team. Yeah, back team. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Do those false deaths make the end snap more pertinent, more... more uh, the, you know what I'm asking? I will, uh, you're saying, do, do they... Does it lessen the snap when everyone yes, dies? Yes, does it, does it make the does, snap still worthwhile? They've already the, turned two, three deaths. No, because on their head. it's just they got. They, how many times have we seen 
start get the crap kicked out of him yeah. and then he you know it's it's more like those are battle scars mm-hmm. i will say the one moment in this movie that they carry it carries through the entire series after that is when his hulk gets scared yes and he won't come out that's probably the most important one mm-hmm. i guess or the the one that i kind of gravitate towards the most but that being said i absolutely cannot stand the effect of mark ruffalo in the giant uh, Hulkbuster. Is it Hulkbuster? It's Hulkbuster. We were uh, watching this the other night. Because like, he looks so Mike hates this. stupid. <laughs> oh, you guys are so screwed. You just a floating head. It's so <laughs> dumb. So dumb. Oh, God. Man, just, ugh, just dumb. I, I don't like that. I don't like it. It makes me it look stupid. It's it corny. It's a, it's, it's a corny it visual. Yeah, I'm sorry. You have the, one of the most iconic moments in the whole entire franchise when Thor lands. And throws the Stormbreaker th- right. all over the field. And then you got to go to this goofy dude talking. Oh, it's just so stupid. God, <laughs> I hate it. Now you brought it up. Like, oh, I'm so angry. Uh, so let me, I'll, I'll pivot to one last thing that I, I, I wanted to, well, actually, one moment on the, um, on the Wakanda battlefield. That I was watching and I was like, you know, for those that have watched the boys, you know that there's a scene in the the season finale, the girls get it done moment that was a well, thread throughout the entire and, series. And that was a complete not ripoff. It was rip a complete ripoff of the scene in Endgame. Not, not a ripoff. Gonna, I apologize. A uh, parody. Parody of yeah, what, parody. what they try to do in Endgame. Yeah. And and we'll get to the Endgame scene next time. But there's a much better girls get it done scene in this one. And that's when Okoye and Black Widow yeah. rescue Scarlet Witch. And, you know, she, uh, the, uh, what is it? Proxima Midnight, one of the, the, the Black yes. Order. Yeah. She is, is fighting Scarlet Witch and it says, oh, you're all alone. And then Black Widow comes in like, she's not alone. And right. Okoye and Black Widow on, on either side. That's a much, that's an organic scene. Yeah. And it feels much better than the nonsense we get. In of Endgame. course, the nonsense because your nonsense yeah. you get in Endgame is tacked on, yeah. and it's it's wink wink. Hey, look at us! It's we're, like you can, we're you, diverse. You can get that moment without without shoving it in there. Shoving yeah. it in there is lazy. Yes. And I get it. It was a scene they wanted to put at the end, and they went in Endgame. They went and like reshot it, but that's how it feels, and yes. that's why it gets criticism. And the what you're trying to say is the uh, an awesome message. An awesome message. Super positive. And I agree with it 100%. The way you did it sucked. Yes. The way it, the execution is terrible. This moment is organic and yes. you're watching it and it, it feels good. Right. It's storytelling done right. And then that brings me to my final, my final point that I wanted to bring up with you is Thanos. He's the main character in this one. Pretty much. It's he, his, yeah. the, the story follows him. And it, th- that was a thing that the writers had brought up is, you know, when you have so many other threads going on, you need to use him is the you know he's the villain of the film he's the antagonist but he's the you know he's the through line through the whole thing right did you like that no because um you have me rooting for a, a cut scene in a video game you know what i mean you have me watching him emote maybe if i was in the year 3000 and all films were cgi okay maybe i would be emotional about mm-hmm. that but i can't get emotional uh, about a digital character getting upset i, I you know because he has to you know kill yeah, his his daughter, right. or like when with the scene when he gives her the knife. Oh, come here, little one, and he and it's like it's so fake. It's <laughs> you look perfect balance. Who cares? It's a. I mean, and then in the background, yeah. there's total gen- genocide. Yeah, there's nothing going. Like there's two there's two people in that scene. It's probably Josh Brolin in a styrofoam suit and the girl and the girl and nothing else. Yes. Listen, I know that they've got. I know that you'll probably you'll in the future because they do it for Mandalorian that the stagecraft saw. Uh, the the back the all that stuff screen yeah because I because you saw the Disney investor thing that they build they're building three mm-hmm. more 
Uh, they built a bigger one in LA. So there's two in there. They're building in New York, London, and Australia. Is that going to be one in Atlanta? I'm surprised uh, by that. I heard, I heard New York, London, and Australia. Okay. So maybe, maybe. Well, Australia is, is yeah. pushing big on film credits. Yeah. To get, so, to but, get stuff out And there. the technology is fantastic. I'd love to shoot on stage, Griff. It's it, not for anything, but it's the same thing they did in uh, the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise. That's when Underrated movie. Yes, absolutely. And, and where he's, when they have him, they do the same thing. They have projection around and it lights the entire scene. So it's mm-hmm. kind of not brand new now. It's been around and it's yeah. a great idea. Well, probably going to see it in Thor Love and Thunder. Sure, you're going to see it they're in filming in Australia right now. It's cheap. You're going to because yeah. it's the easy thing to do. It, you keep everyone together, especially shooting during uh, COVID-19. Everyone's together. Every, you know, everyone's in a quote-unquote bubble. So yeah, yeah. you're absolutely going to shoot like that. And like I said, I would love it. Yeah. Love to be part of that. That's great. But, you know, this is the sacrifice you make and now I have to I have to try to connect with a digital character. Uh, and I, it makes the it gives the filmmakers it, I think it give, it makes it harder for them to uh, create that connection, mm-hmm. and I get that he has to be kind of the main through line because it's his movie almost. Yeah, and he's got the mission. We he's to, collecting yeah, things. We have to find out his motivation. I didn't understand why they went to Titan. Like I didn't get they went to Titan because he knew he was going to be there. Because that's the where the was ship taking was him? taking him. Okay, yeah. so the whole plan was to go get go get. I don't the, know how the Guardians knew unless they knew that that's just where Titan where, where Thanos was from he he's sends, from a moon of, of saturn on titan moon he sends emity maw to go get the stone yes and, and then his it's plan, on autopilot to come back home but he but his plan was to go get the stone and then i'll meet you in titan it wasn't just go get the stone and then i'll meet you on earth yeah there's, there's more on earth that i need why to get. do i need you to go to titan when i could just meet you at earth and get it then like that the only thing. thing that i could think of is ebony maw came back thanos said you know let's regroup on titan you give me you bring those things back to me that you get right but then when he realizes, oh, they, I only was able to get the mind stone or the, I'm sorry, the time stone. Now I got to go do it myself. Right. You know, the I'll do it myself line. He said 15 movies ago. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think the moment just about, you know, back to Thanos being a complete digital character. I love, you know, Josh Brolin's a great actor, but the moments that really hit home are, are a lot of the ones that are between two actors, really, you know, when, when, Scarlet Witch is killing Vision. Paul Bettany's on set. You know, he's in the Vision makeup. Yeah, he's yeah. in the Vision. You know, he might not even be in the full suit, but he's there staring across from her. Of course. While they're doing that. And so they're looking, they're sharing the same eye line. They're sharing, they're looking, you know, <laughs> but I'm just picturing, looking her, up at I'm a tennis picturing ball. her standing over him like with the with their hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just makes me like it's I always acting. laugh. I know, I get it, but I always laugh on like strange and like they're doing and he's doing the thing. I'm like, you got nothing there, right? He's he's it's like a power ranger. I got it. I got it. Things. I got it. Um, to that point, there's a lot of good moments between the characters or the actors. You know, even with with Thor and Rocket and Tree and and uh, Ichri the dwarf, those are all actors. There, they might be, you know, might not look exactly the same, but they're there on set. And and even you know, it's not quite there, but I think. Uh, Peter Dinklage delivers a better performance than Josh Brolin does, which is why you feel more for him <laughs> yeah. as the now handicapped dwarf. He, he's got that line when he was like the full blast of that well, that star <laughs> will, will kill you. Is like, what, is he, what does Thor uh, say? Um, you understand, boy. You're about to take the full force of a star. It'll kill you. And then Thor responds with, only if I die. <laughs> and Idris like, yes, that's what killing you means. <laughs> and it's delivered yeah. so well. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's like, um, he um, doesn't believe him. Like, uh, yeah, that's what it means. And he's like, shakes his head. Yeah. The one note I have here is that there was probably around or a little over 3000 shots in this movie. 
and 2,900 of them at visual effects. I mean, think of all the, the guys in the suits. I mean, the only, you know, I'm trying to think which one wouldn't have it. And maybe Peter on the bus, like the kids on no, the bus itself. because his, his hand goes up. He's got, he's got, no, oh, that's right. Peter on the bus because they, this is the first time they use the Spidey sense. Right. That's true. So you see, you see his hairs on his arm go up, yep. but then he looks out the window and he sees the giant thing in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure the bus wasn't on the bridge. I'm sure the bus was like in a big studio and then, you know, like, cause they're not going to, yeah. So yeah, 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 the whole thing's gonna... it's all fake. It's not even a bus. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> Thanks for that Spidey sense. Really cued me in on the giant alien invasion there. Uh, so <laughs> the other thing I had here, and let's we should probably move on to the differences. To your point about how you write this, the script was actually started before the Thor 3 script was finished. And so they didn't know how Thanos would find Loki. They didn't know that part. Yeah. So there you go. They're like, they're like, because this movie started two weeks after Black Panther wrapped. Right. Okay. So it's like, oh, good job. We did Black Panther. You got to get to work, though. We got we got to finish Infinity War. Going. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when they're filming, though, they're keeping they did a lot of the Wakanda scenes first. Right. In terms of continuity of, of filming so that you already have the Wakanda set set up. You already mm-hmm. have the actors and the, and the sure. crew and the costumes and everything so that you could just wrap them. You're all in Atlanta already. Yeah. Trying to get them to come back. Yeah. And I didn't know that the official name of the snap is the decimation. I think they talk about that in uh endgame okay. i think everybody was calling it the snap. well they were calling it the blip right a lot of people oh call they it, call it the blip in endgame be, well because then one knows it's the snap yes. that what happened people just disappeared okay. like i'm talking about regular people us regular folk that aren't superheroes but why don't we move on i don't know where you want to go why don't we talk about what this movie this film was inspired by in terms of what happened in certain marvel comic storylines maybe okay. that better yes right. that works so there's three main i mean there's a handful of other influences in this one but there's three main storyline influences. Uh, the most prominent one is Infinity Gauntlet. So Infinity Gauntlet, it was a six-issue oversized miniseries by uh, Jim Starlin, George Perez, and Ron Lim, both on the art there. It was published back in 1999. It was really the conclusion of sorts to Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin is you know, one of the, the big space opera type guys in the Marvel Universe. And so he had introduced Thanos back in the mid-70s. Infinity Gauntlet is, is one of the conclusions of that storyline. So it brings together the Thanos character, a lot of the space-based characters, and Adam Warlock, who we talk a little bit about in the Guardians Volume 2 episode. The series opens with Thanos having collected all of the Infinity Stones. There's no him bouncing around to Earth and all over the place collecting them. That happened in previous issues. He's got him now, and he is a god. There's no question about it. He has all of the power, if not more, than all of the gods in the Marvel Universe. He is the most powerful being of all time when he has the stones. And so he collected the stones to impress Lady Death, being a female personification of death. You know, uh, skull face, purple robes. Close your eyes and think of death. And that's what you get. (laughs) The one big difference here is... When it opens, the Silver Surfer, who is a a former herald of Galactus, um, you could kind of, if you just want a real quick hit of that, go watch the second Fantastic Four movie. Doug Jones plays him pretty well. Voiced by Lawrence Fishburne, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He tries to stop Thanos from using the gauntlet and tries to stop it, you know, try to steal it from him. But he he gets his butt kicked and gets sent through time and space and crashes into Dr. Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. The same way the whole the same, same way, way Banner does. Yeah, exactly. And so what's really different here is how they structure the snap, the decimation, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it happens at the end of the first issue. It's not halfway through the series. It hasn't built up to it. 
it happens without much fanfare. So like, again, in a way to impress death, Thanos just says, okay, I'm going to rid half the life. In the so universe. he's only doing that to impress a woman and not because he feels the universe needs to be culled right. so it can be, it can thrive. Yes. And she continues to spurn him. Like he's trying to impress her and he does all these things. He's like this, you know, he's peacocking around with this, <laughs> this new power. And she's just like, I don't care. <laughs> so they do the snap. People are just wiped away. It happens the same way that it, that it happens in the teaser or in the tag of this film right where the you know planes are crashing people are cars are crashing people are just disappearing left and right right there are obviously a handful of remaining avengers they band together with uh silver surfer adam warlock comes and, and they go and fight thanos they don't stand a chance mm-hmm. they don't have a shot in hell of beating him most of them are killed pretty easily <laughs> there's a scene i don't remember who it was i think it was drax but it wasn't mantis that got the did the ribbons and, and cutting into cubes thing. Thanos is just having fun with him. He's using all the power of the gauntlet to just yeah the reality just, stuff yeah yeah. And he he pummels Captain America. He whacks Wolverine uh, and breaks his neck. And it's just it's it's a bloodbath. Right. And so that's in the the second and third issues. Like by uh, the second issue, then Adam Warlock, knowing that this was basically just a test, he brings in a lot of the celestial beings. Some of the characters we talked about on the Guardians one, or we'll you know figure out some way to introduce when we get to the Eternals, Galactus, the the Planet Eater. He brings these characters in that were huge metaphysical, theological based type beings in the in the Marvel universe, and then they fight Thanos. Thanos still wins. And so the only re- way that, that Thanos loses is because he's still trying to impress death. So he turns off the power. He tries to go back to being immortal and saying, well, I could still do this being my normal self. What really happens is he just gets confused. He, his mind gets clouded. He gets overconfident. And Nebula, his tortured semi-daughter, steals the gauntlet from him. And then so Adam Warlock eventually takes it from her. Right. Uh, and they return the universe back back to normal but there's no captain america punching him and actually making him bleed it's, okay it's completely a bloodbath of avengers characters and it, it happens over the course of an issue well let's talk about rogers yes. tell me about nomad rogers and the captain in one of the number of times that steve rogers is disillusioned with the government right he refutes the identity of Captain America. Okay. And so he starts by going with the name Nomad. Don't look up the costume. Well, it's supposed to be like this, right? This one? No, no. (laughs) No, it's got like a big... It's the same. It's very similar coloring. Right. But it's not like the Captain America suit without the star. Okay. It's got a big... He's got a cape. He's got a mask that doesn't go all over like the the helmet. It's got a big, deep V cut to it. Okay. It's not good. Don't look up the costume. <laughs> um, he's only the nomad for like four issues. Okay. In back in uh, 70s or 80s. Then he becomes the captain in another turn of I don't like the government. Right. And that's when he so he gives up the, the cap identity. John Walker, a.k.a. the U.S. agent who we're going to meet in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show becomes Captain America at that time. Okay. Steve's buddies come to him and say, Steve, you can't give up being a crime fighter. You need to you need to be a superhero again. And he says, okay, fine. So he puts on a new outfit, red, white, and black. And that's got a little bit more of the, the black, dark blue coloring on this one, where he looks more like your traditional Captain America, just slightly, slightly different coloring. And that's when he just becomes the captain. Okay. 
Right. So he, he he goes as the captain for a little bit, but again, he always comes back to being Captain America. While we're on Captain America, yes. I reference it that he's given a shield by T'Challa in the movie. What's that? How is that? How does that ref- reference the comic? Yeah. Initially, when when Steve is is the super soldier back in the 1940s, and then when he comes back in the 60s, he just gets the shield. He, he gets he has that normal uh, triangle upside down triangle shield. And then he has the vibranium adamantium mix shield in the 60s when he comes out the circular one. However, they wrote a series called Captain America, Black Panther, Flags of Our Fathers uh, that came out in like 2009, 2010 that takes place during World War II. It sees Nazis and the Red Skull try to invade Wakanda. And so Cap, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, again, from First Avenger, they help the Wakandans and T'Challa's grandfather protect the city and so through that they give him a circular shield that's made of vibranium that would you know inspires his use of the the circular one that we okay today yeah well you bring up red skull so red skull in this movie is guarding the soul stone mm-hmm. that's i guess at the end of first avenger he's sent away he's sent off to go guard another stone even though that's not the stone he was trying to get but regardless uh i know it's not the same actor that's fine i don't care about that it's everyone knows that already um he didn't, it's a weird role to bring back Hugo yeah who cares for, like anyway. yeah. okay Hugo, even you want to come back for what one scene it's okay <laughs> my question is is that red skull's fate in the comics and i don't know if we brought this up in first avenger because that was so long ago but i'm curious if that's his fate no it's not okay uh so red skull's traditionally tied to the cosmic cube the one that he was trying to get in first Avenger, right. not the, not the soul stone. He's come back a number of times though, as different characters, sometimes as, as kind of Russians, always Nazis, Hydra in disguise, but no, he's never really been this. He's never been to Voromir, As far as I can tell, he's never been the protector of the soul stone. I, I like what they did with it. Now they made up, is, didn't they make up Vormir for this? Yes. Okay. So Vormir's yeah. not in the comics. No. Okay. That's curious. Yeah, not, not so, to cut you off. No, no, no. But I, I like I like what they did. This isn't his thing. He's he continually torments Captain America, but he's always based in more the reality. Like Captain America's stories are a little bit more based in reality. Yeah. Yeah. More espionage, more politics and, and government and, and just street fighting type of heroes. Gotcha. And so he's 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 come back as various characters, but never as um never like this. Right. Is the soul stone, the way the soul stone, you need to get it. Is that a way they use in any of the comics in terms of making a sacrifice in order to get the stone? I don't think so. I don't remember seeing that. I have to remind myself that the old stones were different colored. I got you. Yep. And so, but I don't remember that being a sacrifice. I I know that at different times, different characters were just the protector of the soul. I believe Adam Warlock had the soul stone later on when, after they had beaten Thanos a number of times the uh, Marvel Illuminati. So I, we, I think we had talked about this either in civil war or maybe in black Panther, there's a group of like the smartest, the, the top representatives in the Marvel universe. So you have, uh, it used to be Charles Xavier, but now it's beast from X-Men. You have Namor, the Submariner from Atlanta, Atlanta, not Atlanta. <laughs> well, Atlantis. That's should, yeah. yeah, that's, that's where they're going to film it. Black Panther from Wakanda. Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four, Iron, I think I said Iron Man from the Avengers, and then um, Black Bolt from the Inhumans. And don't go watch the terrible <laughs> ABC Inhuman show. Uh, I think they're going to, Marvel might relaunch that too. But they, at one point, they all went their separate ways with one of the stones to protect them. But it, it wasn't, they just 
held onto the stone. They didn't have to do anything to get it. Which brings me, I kind of want to pivot back to one of the influences for this one. Sure. And that's Infinity. So Infinity was a series that came out in 2013. Jonathan Hickman wrote it. It takes place over the six-issue Infinity mini miniseries, as well as the Avengers and New Avengers main series. Half of the Avengers team is busy in space, helping to defeat a conquering space army mm-hmm. who are just like decimating planets. And, and so everybody has their eye on Earth. So they, they go up and join with a lot of uh, space-based characters to defend it. While the remaining Illuminati, so all the names I just mentioned, are on Earth defending from Thanos' invading army. And, and that includes uh, the Black Order. Uh, the Coal Obsidian, and they also, the, the Outriders. And so the Outriders and the Black Order come and invade multiple points. So Atlantis, Wakanda, uh, this is where, you know, they, they do invade Wakanda, but Wakanda repels the attack. Right. And so Black Panther gets into fights with, with various of the, the Coal Obsidian and the Black Order. Um, but those are the characters that we meet, the children of Thanos that they're called. Ebony Maw, who's the, the one that, that takes on Doctor Strange. Corvus Glaive, uh, the one with the scythe and the hood. Proxima Midnight, who is played by Carrie Coon, I believe. Yeah, yep, um, she is. She's from The Leftovers, another show about well, I don't some watch, of the population. I don't watch Leftovers. Yeah, I don't I it's, know. It's tough. I don't watch it. it just, just, I like her. I like she was in the third season of Fargo. I think she was she was in the season with Uma McGregor. She played okay. Yeah, so no, I like her. Yeah. And then you had Black Dwarf, who is the big, the hulking looking one. Right. And then Supergiant, who doesn't make the cut in this film. Oh, but they weren't in any of them. This they weren't in any of the movies. No, they were in this movie. I know that, but I'm saying oh, all the times you've yeah, seen no. Thanos, they're never there. No, yeah, no, no. They wanted to give them heavy because it's like you said, it's kind of like a video game, they right? Right. Give them, like various level Boss bosses. Levels. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. And so they, they're called the Coal Obsidian, but they proudly say they can refer to themselves by any name they choose, which is the Black Order. Okay, that's the one thing that Thanos will give them <laughs> um, in terms of freedom. So you know, they they kind of serve the same purpose. They're they're generals in his army. Right. Ebony Maw does face off with Doctor Strange and he invades his mind mm-hmm. and gets in there and, and causes doubts and a number of other you know things. And finally, they expel him towards the end of the miniseries. But that is another piece that, you know, the two of them going at it with each other. But the goal in Infinity is not to get the, the, the stones, although, you know, that's if he can get them, he'll take them. It's uh, to kill one of his children, Thane, mm-hmm. son of Thanos, who... Um, it eventually ends with um, Ebony Maw and Thane fleeing Earth, and then Thanos trapped um, in like a golden block of energy. Right. There's a couple things in there. It's it's the Wakanda attack that we see in this one. Uh, Wakanda, uh, Black Panther does punch Black Dwarf, but I think they renamed him Coal Obsidian in this film. Yes. Which I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to get confusing about Eitri the Dwarf. Maybe. Maybe they thought it was uh, offensive or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, the, whatever it yeah, yeah really make a difference he's the big hulking one and then the other one in terms of and then you could come back to me with questions okay. is thanos imperative so that was another series that this kind of steals from it was created by the same team that revitalized the guardian so uh dan abnett and andy lanning who we meet you know and who we talked about in our guardians of the galaxy episodes this kind of ties in a lot of the space storylines that they were doing in the the late 2000s 2010 time frame where an alternate version of Marvel, a uh, the first Captain Marvel character, he is an avatar of life where Thanos is deemed an avatar of death. And so once again, Lady Death 
<laughs> is rejecting Thanos and spurning him. And, you know, he just he just wants to seek revenge because he just can't get the girl. Right. That's that's what this whole that's whole that's Thanos. <laughs> that's that's what the whole comic Thanos yeah, is about. Yeah. You can't get the girl. Those are the, the kind of series that they pick on here. It's it's a lot of Infinity Gauntlet plus Infinity with with some of the moments from And you talked about Infinity. Is that where the Outriders come from? With the those yes. creatures yep. that attack Wakanda? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're just kind of they're they're just creatures. Yeah, they're just, you know, normal kind of grunts. Yeah. Yeah. The iron spider suit. To jump mm-hmm. to jump to a completely something completely different. Let's do it. When does that appear in the comics? Civil War. So okay, the Civil so War I, comic. I, I wanted it because I'm trying to think if I remembered that. I think we may have touched on it a little bit, but this is the first time here. Obviously, this is the first time we see it in the right, in the yeah. MCU. Yeah. Well, I think we see it at the end of Far From Home. Not Far From Home. Uh, Homecoming. Do we? He I doesn't think- have those things. They don't show. I think it's just the one in the uh, in the case that Tony. Oh, like, this you, is oh, your suit. you see it. Okay, yes. okay. But it, what happens is this one shows up in Civil War. We talked about this with Paul and, and on the Civil War episode. But when Peter sides with Tony during the Superhero Registration Act and reveals his identity, it means he's now aligned with Tony Stark oh, and yeah. the Iron Man team. And so Tony outfits him with new weaponry and tech, and so he gives him this this red and gold Iron Spider suit that has the the legs that come out. Right. So that's that's what this one comes from. And we'll get into it in terms of Far From Home and its place in the MCU, but they have firmly locked the Spider-Man and Iron Man universes together. Yes. Whereas now you're going to see the same characters from Iron Man mm-hmm. in Spider movies, Spider-Man movies. So, but that's something we can talk about. Yeah, later. we can talk about it because we got we got thoughts on that. Oh no, of course. Tell me about Stormbreaker. Yes. So in the Ultimates comics, Thor uh, is allegedly a mental patient that believes he's the son of Odin. And, and so he's, he's Thor, god of thunder. And so he wields this hammer that's shaped similar to the one we see in this movie called Stormbreaker. But the real origin to Stormbreaker actually comes from the Walt Simonson run of the Thor books that we talked about many times throughout all the, the Thor movies. There is a horse-faced creature called Beta Ray Bill, and he takes on the role of Thor. And so they, Thor and Beta Ray Bill, face off. Beta Ray realizes that Thor, you know, Mjolnir belongs to Thor. That's his hammer. You know, they have a tight bond with each other. So he needs a new one. And so Itri the dwarf and a a number of the other dwarves, so Itri is the king of the dwarves, he forges Stormbreaker. And it's it's not quite what we see in this film, but the, the story of the creation is what they steal from the design is from the ultimates. Okay. Mostly it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with Groot's arm. Okay. In the comics. Right. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's new. That's your, you know, what you had said before is they try to try to give him an arc. Yeah, I know that by yeah, making they try, him sacrifice yeah. that the nanobot Iron Man suit yes. that he's got. Is that in the comics? Yeah. So there's a couple different nanobot suits. There's, there's a few of them, the bleeding edge and then the, uh, the model prime. Okay. Same concept they, they look very similar to what we get in this film. Very kind of clean edge, red in the middle, yellow on the, the sleeves and the arm on the arms and the legs. Right. The face mask is very similar. It was called extremist to the extreme. Right. Essentially as, okay. as it does. Here's my thing with the nanobot stuff. I, I like the idea of it. Yeah. But can nanobots really create machinery that can f- like, you know, like when he fights Ebony Maw and he's yeah. got the his suit, suit comes out, not Ebony Maw, he's fighting the uh, the big one. Uh, uh, cold cool. yeah, and his suit flies out, and he's got those three things that mm-hmm. come out, and they like shoot this entire his entire 
firepower. I'm like, it's cool, but like, are we meant to believe that nanobots are doing that? I don't know. Okay, I don't know. They just seem to like get they like from Iron Man to Avengers: Infinity War. There has been a consistent process to eliminate as much machinery from Iron Man's outfit as possible. So now we're at the point where like I don't believe that this stuff can do this. I like when he's first practicing it mm-hmm. and like that's believable. That's real world. Oh wow, he's, he can't get the boosters to work. Mm-hmm. Great. Now it's just like nanotechnology. I've got, I can fire everything. I've got unloaded uh, tons of missiles. Yeah. They're just nanobots. Which where do they come from? I, I don't get it. I, I was, how are we, I don't understand why we're all okay with this. Well, I think we're okay with this because if you've also noticed, they've they've pushed away from and I got up. I got a comment about this, but they've pushed away from real weapons to the space laser beam guns. Oh, well, with the exception of, of for. Bucky with the machine. I don't understand why you need to. Why does this guy need to have a machine gun? Can you just get him something else, please? Everybody else in the field are running with Wakandan technology. Exactly. You're vibranium spears and shields. And he picked up an AK 47. I I don't. Yeah, that's just. I mean, at some point, Mick, come on. We don't do that. But go ahead. What's your comment? No, no, that was it. That they were. Probably in an effort to sell toys, target the 13 year old demographic with the action figures. You're not selling GI Joe's don't sell anymore. Right. You know, they're not action figures with machine guns. You can buy that Iron Man action figure buy the accessory that attaches on his back. And now he's got like a rocket pack or, right. or whatever. It's a comic book movie. It's a superhero movie. We know we get it. But when you try to ground your stories in the real world, essentially a a weapons dealer fighting the Taliban in, in 2008 to now a guy with laser beam shooting aliens in the middle of New York city or on a moon of Saturn. And so I think they've slowly and slowly and slowly eased out the real weapons and really put in the, the fake ones and the laser beams and everything aside from Bucky. And his- okay. I'm going to reference star Wars. Now star Wars does this. It's actual weaponry and it's actual machinery and it's yeah. actual stuff that they have to lug around. It's not, you know, well, that happened a long time ago. And if a galaxy far, <laughs> far away, I get it. To be fair, they've kind of adopted the same Star Wars idea where, like, we're going to another planet. You can breathe. Don't worry. Yeah. It's fine. Which, I mean, I know. That's fine. It's fine. I'm okay. They do it for Star Wars when we all accept it. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that completely wipes out any kind of. When anybody complains about it, it's like, oh, how can they do this? Well, if you notice, it's in a galaxy far, far away and a yeah. long time ago. So we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> it's a galaxy, not, it's not our galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, hey, we don't no, know what goes no, on no, in no, this no. place a long time ago, far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything else because you've kind of touched on the stuff between the differences, unless you have something. Um, because you had asked me earlier, is is Hulk stronger than Thanos? Right. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Not, not, not a chance. Uh, he gets his butt kicked a number of occasions. I just want to make sure I don't forget this for when we get to Endgame. Neither is Captain Marvel. So in the Infinity comic, she's part of the Avengers that that come back to Earth and, and fight against Thanos. He doesn't have the gauntlet. He's just normal Thanos. He picks her up and he throws her through a mountain. <laughs> and she just doesn't. She just there's not any of that like headbutting. Oh, you could take this. It's, sure. He just picks her up and throws. Her. Well, I think that's a, a product of how they created her in this, in the in MCU. Her movie, yeah. yeah. That's just that they, they've made her to be this all super powerful being that yeah. you really can't call. You can't roll that back. Right. You can only, you can roll that back in her second film mm-hmm. because it's her story, but you can't roll that back in a team up Avenger right. movie. Cause then now you're putting a major plot point in a giant movie that you're going to hope people watch before Captain Marvel too. So mm-hmm. now nah, I understand that. 
All right. Well, let's move on then. Cause okay. I'm trying to figure out where to start in terms of this movie within the MCU. And I don't know if we should start past or for the present or what's going on in the future or what's coming on beforehand. But I, I got the, let me ask this one question. Mm-hmm. I think I already know the answer to this WandaVision. When does that take place? After Far From Home, after Endgame. Okay, so it does not take place in the two years before Infinity War when they're globetrotting. No. Okay. What does take place during that time is the Black Widow movie. Well, obviously. It will take place in the 90s, I thought. That's the two years? That's what that... It's supposed to take place after Civil War, or moments of it are supposed to take place after Civil War. So when she comes back blonde, like Yelena Belova, the second Black Widow, who is played by... Florence Pugh. I don't know if that's yes, that's right. That's right. Yep. Florence Pugh from Midsummer. So she's blonde in that movie. So there's some connections that maybe she picks up. You know, Widow picks up the the blondness from her, uh, or some some idea. I don't know. But this is supposed to take place after the events. Some of the events of Black Widow. So this takes place after those events, and I'm assuming the second Black Widow is going to take place after the events of Endgame because obviously, spoiler alert: Black Widow dies in Endgame. Right? Are they doing a second Black Widow? I would assume so. Yeah. They do a oh, second of everything. Right. Have they, have they right, ever right, right. Not, have they ever not made a, a sequel to a Marvel movie? Incredible Hulk. Well, they're not allowed to. Right. No, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So and that could be where Florence Pugh takes the the man. You don't put Florence Pugh in that a rising star to just have one movie. Right. Yeah, she's she's gonna, supposed yeah. to take. Uh, she's supposed to have a role in the Hawkeye series. Yeah. There, and yeah. A couple of the other ones. So. I th- I mean, if we want to get, I mean, because we are right after the Disney announcement. If we want to really get into it. Uh, it's clear that the path for all these storylines is going to go through Disney plus. Correct. I mean, uh, we already, I mean, I guess we can pimp it. Uh, it's probably, it's been out for a while, but Pat and I were on uh, a special episode with Pana comics where mm-hmm. we talk about the, the fate of the movie theater industry, our opinions and stuff like that. But it's, it's very clear that while Disney is not taking a lot of their stuff that's set for theatrical release straight to Disney plus, like kind of Warner media is doing it yes. with, uh, Wonder Woman, their whole big slate of 2021 films that they're going to come out on HBO Max for a full month as they're in the theaters. While they're not doing that, Disney is clearly putting a lot of their money into Disney+. Plus. When they also see the value of a weekly show. Right. In Netflix, you know, it was great when Netflix first came out where they dumped shows within the first 24 hours. You could watch all eight episodes. Right. But Disney loves the idea of, you know, weekly shows and the cottage industry of recaps and shows and podcasts that that have come from it that yeah. just drive the conversation. I mean, we're, con- we're obviously guilty of it. It's consistent content. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, so yeah. Florence Pugh is supposed to show up in Hawkeye. There's a lot of new characters that they're introducing and we're going to get to, we're going to talk about one next week when we talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp and that's yeah. the recasting of Cassie Lang. You know, they're, they're clearly building towards a younger version of the team. Of course. And a, a, also a more diverse version of the team. If you look at some of the characters that they're putting on, on, on the map right now, and that's perfect for Disney Plus. It's sure. it's great. And you know, I don't know how some of the characters are going to translate into a movie together. Well, some of these movies, some of these stories might never got been made right. in terms of being on in the theatrical realm. It, they you know, this is some of these movies, yes, they could be movies, but most of them are would not be made if it wasn't for Disney Plus. Yeah. So no, I mean Black Widow takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. WandaVision is set to take place after Endgame okay. after Spider-Man Far From Home. And that's going to lead right into uh, Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3. Then you also have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show that's going to take place after events of Endgame. 
where it looks like the guys are still on the run as fugitives somehow, despite that it's now like seven years after the events of Civil War. So I don't know how some of them are still fugitives and that just didn't get wiped out. But that's a that's a topic we could cover when we do cover Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Why don't we talk about who hasn't been in this movie? Yes. So there's no Ant-Man or Hawkeye. No. Because they say that they took deals mm-hmm. and they're under house arrest. I know that Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place during I think it takes place Infinity like a War. lead up to it. Well, no, because they have the tag at the, the tag end. Takes place. I don't think the tag takes place the same day as most of the events. Wouldn't they know that stuff is going on in the world in Ant-Man and Wasp? Do they reference it? I'm not sure if they do. No, that's why I think it takes place before the Thanos event. And then the day that they go into that Scott goes into the quantum realm to get the, the quantum that's juice, when the fight. Yeah, that's when the Thanos fight happens. So I think uh, it takes place in like okay. the week leading up to Thanos invasion. But the other thing, the, the tag of this is a little weird when Maria Hill and, and Nick Fury are driving yeah. wherever they are. And they're like, oh, I'm just getting these. I'm getting word of. Yes, I'm getting word of, of ships coming in over Wakanda. And he's like massive signatures, massive yeah. signatures coming in over Wakanda. And the next minute, the snap happens. Yes. How delayed yes. are your satellites? Yeah. No, like, I know that was a little. There are weird. people who are on Twitter tweeting stuff about the Disney Investor Day before your satellites are working about yeah. a Wakanda that, that you know, was, invasion over Wakanda. That was a little weird. And we see them in the Far From Home tag. They're scrolls when they're on Earth. Yes. But they're because they're on some ship going to wherever. That's after Endgame that they do that, right? That's not yes. during. Okay. okay, I don't know. They could have been in, in scrolls in this one, but I think there's talk that what the ship that Nick Fury is on in the the tag of Far From Home, it's for Sword. So the um, Sentinel World Orbital Response Department or something. Okay, where it's they where Shield protects you know is, is the Earth. The Earth Sword is for the Galactic Invasion. So it's it's possible that after the Thanos event. So in that five years between Infinity War and Endgame, they established Sword as a protection before against- Nick, well, while Nick Fury and Murray Hill were were not around. Okay, I don't right. know. I don't know. <laughs> and Hawkeye's on his on his farm chopping wood, so I guess you know. Yeah, he's, he's spending time with his family. The Hawkeye show is is after Endgame, right? The Hawkeye show, according to set photos, is set to take place in like 2025, 2026. So after when, all this, after all this, okay, when we get the time right. jump for the next film. Valkyrie. She's on the other ship. No. This is what I read. That there's two, there's one ship. There's supposed to be two ships. What? That's not how it was in the end of the movie and end of Ragnarok. They're all standing there sitting on, he's on the throne. They're all behind oh, yeah, him. You're right. You're right. You're right. So what, what I read was that they said that Valkyrie escapes with some other Asgardians and that's how they end up on Earth. How? Why would she escape? How? She's yeah. their top fighter. Yeah. One so, of their top fighters. You know, maybe she didn't have the fireworks. So let's just call it what it is. You didn't know what to do. You, scre- you, you wanted to have this ending and then you just toss away this thing. Oh, she escaped. Yeah. And like, you don't even put it in the movie. You put it. I mean, I don't even remember if it's in Endgame. So maybe it is when we get to it. But like, if it's just like a passing line of dialogue. But the way you leave it in this movie is that they stop this ship that's got all every single Asgardian. Mm-hmm. They murder them all. With the exception of Thor, which I don't understand because Thor is the king. Why wouldn't you kill the king? But all right, never mind. Let's kill everybody else. So that's what happened. So that's what we're led to believe. They're all dead. Mm-hmm. And you, to- I got to read in the notes that, oh, Valkyrie escaped some Asgardians. Uh, I'd like to see that. Again, she's one of their top fighters. You got Thor, Loki, Hulk, Heimdall, and Valkyrie. Yeah. She's not going to help defend this. Yeah. She's going to run. Like, if anybody's going to run, 
let Heimdall run. He can do that. That's well, what he did in the last movie. Well, he does it in this movie and he sends Hulk away so you can have the ending where he, where he uh, not the end, you have the beginning where he drops into right. Doctor Strange. But like, why wouldn't Heimdall send Thor away? Why would he send Hulk away? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Also, so, so we can, my dark magic to send some guy I just met. So we can get that moment where uh, they get the subtle nod. Between Mark Ruffalo and, and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, hey, hey, I'm yeah, I'm back. I know we've had some really touching moments throughout the entire series, but this head nod will suffice. Hey. <laughs> Two other things that I got. Well, one, they had a subtle line to the events of Black Panther because uh, T'Challa or Okoye say, you know, what's left of the border tribe. Right. So I don't know if, are they, are they imprisoned or did they leave? Well, now, but also, they also say that they go and get uh, what's his face? Oh, the Jabari in Baku. But they make it seem like he's not with them. But he's with them at the end of Black Panther. I know. I know. Did he? Did he? Did he just go back up to his mountain like the snow? Right. I don't know. Well, and I guess I guess not to cut you off. I know you're going to second thing, but and also I guess when they all lined up in that scene and Baku does that war chant, yeah, and they all start doing like that wasn't planned. Like nobody knew that was going to happen. Like they because they were hot off of doing Black Panther, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. Yes. Which is like that's that's fantastic. Well, go ahead. What yeah, saying? no, that's a great. That's a good improvisation. Sure, that's an improv you yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah, and you you do it again, and you're right. like, hey, do it just exactly. Yeah, you just did it. Yeah. Um, what happened to Thor? You're not the god of hammers. Now he needs a hammer again. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, we'll get this with Endgame because I forget. How did he get the hammer back? What do you mean? How did he get the hammer? Oh, because it was in. Well, it was destroyed. She destroyed it in Thor Ragnarok. Hela destroys it. He gets it when he uh, goes back in time to the uh, events of Age of right, Ultron. Right, Not Age right. of Ultron. Thor: The Dark World. Right. And so he he summons it when he's sitting in Asgard because he knows it's there. I, I again, we can get to the same game. I don't like Fat Thor. I, I don't. We're gonna I, get there. I don't understand that. We're gonna get we there. We can get there. I I just don't understand that. And I just have one last because we do get the return of Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross, baby. The Sokovia Accords? No, they had to bring them up, too. They, I mean, brought, they, him they up. bring them up. They brought them up. As soon as they brought them up, I'm just like, come on. They bring them up, but Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Iron Man are running around New York City. Well, the note I read was that Iron Man is just basically, he blatantly ignores them. Like, that's what, I, I don't. So he blatantly ignores yeah, them, but so, Cap right, and the right. rest of the crew are on the run well, about, because they right. actively ignored them. How about when Rhodey and Falcon meet? There's no, hey, oh, sorry, I messed up your spine. Like there's, He didn't do that. What, yeah, they were. He... Falcon dodged a blast that Iron Man uh, sent. They were still fighting. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that was, that's on Tony. <laughs> we already established we don't like Tony. Yeah. So, but anyways, but then Rhodey's like, uh, it looks like it's a court martial for me. And it's like, well, shouldn't we expect them any moment now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to that. Uh, like, let's get that African nation that doesn't they, have <laughs> extradition. They never, yes. They, and they, and I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we never go back to the government's response to any of it. Yeah. Like nothing. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because in Endgame, and again, we're going to cover a lot of this in that episode, but Black Widow is still operating the Avengers. She's operating like a global Avengers with Rhodey, Okoye, Rocket. Right. And, and they're investigating things that are happening around the country, including, but not limited to, Hawkeye killing a bunch of people. Yeah. But apparently the government's okay with them doing that because right, it's five years Hulk, later. Because Hawkeye's going around and killing like bad guys yeah. because his family's all been snapped yeah. away. Yeah. I got comments about that when we get to <laughs> But thinking about that note, like thinking about that, like Hawkeye doing that, that's infinitely more interesting. Like that would be a great series. Yes, it would. 
that would be like a great little Hawkeye movie where after the snap, like those what he what what he does for five years, like that would be a great trilogy. Do that. I don't think they'll ever do it because I know that Renner's involved with a lot of some domestic disturbance stuff. Which you yeah, know, I think they're gonna kind of write him out. Yeah, with the Hawkeye show and bring in yeah. Steinfeld as as other Hawkeye. Yeah, I, 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 other other Hawkeye. She's called Hawkeye. They're both she's called, not Hawkeye. called other Hawkeye though. Is she? Well, he's Hawkeye. Lady, and Lady she's Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Lady Hawkeye. They're gonna do that. Lady Hawkeye. Come on. We're gonna get to this. All of this. Stay tuned. Ah oh, man. All right. So anyway, uh, good movie. Lot this of one, stuff. yes, yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I never had. I didn't have a problem with it. I had it on. Oh, I, I actually had it on loud. I want to see if my kids would come down because all they do is talk to me about Thanos. I'm like, well, we'll watch them because that's all they see. Like Thanos, Thanos. No, 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 no watch it. I'm like, hey, you guys stink. Parenting, everyone. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm never really not good at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Doctor Strange in this uses the images of Icon, which I'm assuming is when he makes himself 50 yes. different things. Yep. The shield of the of the Seraphim. I don't know what that is. Uh, that's when he does that thing. stuff. Yeah. And the Crimson Bands, a Ciderac. Yes. So we talked about that. We talk our- about how, so in the other Doctor Strange, the, the Crimson Bands was that thing that, what's his face? Mad, Mads Mikkelsen character gets stuck in. Yes. And now we actually actually see the, the real Crimson the, Bands. These are the comic book versions of the Crimson so Bands. So how do you do that? How as the Russo brothers, do you do that and basically say, we don't care that you messed it up in your own movie? When you film five movies or whatever, <laughs> and you're, you're contracted to film five movies, and, and most of them being the top box office ones, so Civil War, Winter Soldier, and then you get the nod for Infinity War, which you know is going to be huge, you don't really care what happens in <laughs> Doctor Strange 1, especially because Doctor Strange is still a jerk character in this movie. Well, in this movie, he comes off as the, the adult nice, in the room. Yes, he does. He's the nicer yeah. version. Because well, because Tony, Tony Stark is such a jack off in this movie. <laughs> and it's nice to see a character be completely verbally dismissive of Tony Stark. Rather, and unfazed else, by his right, nonsense. Whereas everyone else just keeps quiet and rolls their eyes. Like, oh, that's Tony being Tony. But it's really nice to see someone be like, shut up. Yeah. You know, like, that's he, is, nice. he is a better character in this one because he's not as mean. He, he is, is still a jerk. Like you said, he's the, he's the adult in the room. He's not as nasty no. as he was in his own movie. Well, I, and I think that I, tempering was the best thing that could happen to this character. Agreed. But I also think that a lot of the reason why our problem with Doctor Strange in his movie was just his blatant disrespect for Rachel McAdams' character. Yes. Has she, like we talked about how she tended to him for years and he was, she's just so, so mean to her. So dismissive. Yeah. It's it, that I think was what, like, Doctor Strange, whatever it's called, what is it? Doctor Strange in and the, the multiverse. Is she of in that? Yes. Okay. So is please Gewaldo give me Ijafor, who, who oh Baron right. Mordo, who we're seven eight years later from the events of the last movie. Yeah, and he's not even in this one. No, he's yeah. going to be in the Doctor Strange. I, I got that, one, but, yeah. but I'm saying like, it, give me a five. Sam Raimi, give me a five minute scene where he like just apologizes to her for five minutes. Yeah. Like just straight up, just like listen, you don't don't come back with me. But I am super sorry because I was such a jerk off. But that'll never happen. But you know, this episode ran long, Pat. But that's fine. I, we had a lot of crap to get through. It was no, it's inf- it's, it's a wrap. Yeah, no, yeah. I I fully expect the end game episode to be just as long. So we'll be back next week for Ant Man and the Wasp. We'll find what's find out what Scott Lang's been doing, all that good stuff. And I, I don't know if a giant ant returns or whatnot. I, I honestly, yes, I gotta tell you, I can't even remember what, what I know that. Walton Goggins is in this, and I, I have a vi- image of him running down the street with a building in his hand. 
Yes, and he's in a white suit for most of it. Yeah, and then the ghost lady's in this. Oh, and then we get what's his face? We get Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. all right. So we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> Two references to Lawrence Fishburne. All right, in this all right, episode. all right, all right. Excellent. All right, so yeah, right, that will right. be back next week for Ant Man and Wasp. As Pat told you in the beginning, these are the last four episodes of the podcast coming up. We are in the end game now. I just wanted to say that. So uh, we will see you next week. But obviously, I am leaving you because Pat has some recommended reading for you. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards, and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. Thanks, Mike. And thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs> this week's recommended reading, we're doing Avengers Infinity War, of course. Uh, so we're going to kick things off with the Infinity Gauntlet. Thanos has collected all of the Infinity Stones and the universe is at his mercy in this Marvel Galactic Epic by Jim Starlin. George Perez and Ron Lim. Next up is Infinity, the 2013 event series by Jonathan Hickman and art by Jim Chang, Jerome Opeña, and Dustin Weaver. The galaxy is under attack, and with the Avengers deployed to defeat the threats in space, Thanos and his Black Order attack Earth, hunting for Infinity Stones and his son, Thane. And finally, Thanos Rising. Do you need Thanos' origin story? Then this is the series for you. Revisit Thanos' early days from when his mother tried to kill him at first sight to when he became the nihilistic mad titan we all know and love. Check those out. Uh, thanks again for listening. Remember to please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell anybody. We'll see you next week.